0: Welcome, Seekers, to our podcast, God Beyond the Bible, the podcast by Seekers and for Seekers. Our little podcast got its birth almost a year ago. It was about October when we first began toying with the idea of a podcast. Uh, we knew we wanted to be different than most of the media we're accustomed to interacting with on topics like God and the Bible, so we chose the path of asking the hard questions and ignoring the answers we we're told we should give. And we just discussed these topics with an honest and open mind. Not using the Bible as a method of limiting the possibilities of what God can do, but allowing Him to be bigger than a single library of works containing histories, poems, songs, uh, predictions, and letters. In short, staying true to our original inspiration that God is just too big and too magnificent to be contained in a single ancient work. But instead, when we elevate that book to being considered the sum of God, we may find ourselves using it to limit Him and the things He wants to do in our lives and the age in which we live. How about shout-outs today?
1: Yeah, our shout-outs today are to Lucy Miranda, who's always so great to interact with us on Twitter. Mm -hmm. We love that. And she's also always kind enough to let me know when I have some tech issue in an episode that I haven't noticed. And Kirk's
0: good about that, too. Yes, her and Kirk Kirk are both great.
1: I know if anything goes wrong, one of them Mm -hmm. will let me know that I have a problem. Um, A shout-out to Miss Dolores, who's been listening. We really, really appreciate having you listen. Hey, Dolores. So
0: glad that you're joining us.
1: To Jeff Rowe, who listens to our episodes. I love the comments on Facebook. And to our unnamed listeners in Saudi Arabia. We're super glad to have y'all on board. Okay.
0: All right. Yes, Saudi Arabia, everybody. Hey, glad we're just gaining listeners every week.
2: We are. Last week's episode, number 41, we talked about a little about a doctrine embraced by many called preterism. Like all avenues of thought and ways of looking at the Bible, there are degrees to which we may adopt, embrace, or believe any particular take. If we evaluate the whole of a particular way of thinking on those who take it to the extreme, we may just miss some very
1: compelling and inspiring thoughts on God and the Bible. And in today's episode, we've chosen a little lighter subject, but it's nonetheless important to our daily lives. As it has been to every generation before us. Today, we want to talk about tradition.
0: Okay, well, let's start out this uh, part, this segment, and let's just talk about how might we, you know, I don't think we need to, but how might we define tradition in layman's terms? We might say those things we do because that's the way we've always done it, is that... Mm -hmm.
1: But I really liked, I looked up the Oxford Dictionary's oh, definition. Oh, yes, cause yes. I <laughs> like them. Me and Jethro went to Oxford. Yes. <laughs> but it says.
0: You know how Oxford got its name. It's where the oxen forded the river. And it never. <laughs> <their head. laughs>
1: it, the Oxford Dictionary's definition tradition. Of We're tradition back on tradition. Okay. <laughs> is the transmission of customs or beliefs from generation to generation. That's good.
0: That's good. Yeah. That was better than my made up. They definitely. Well.
2: uh, Okay. So at first glance, we may find this topic kind of bland and not very thought-provoking, but tradition is a very big part of our lives. Yes, we actually perpetuate these cultural rituals from generation to generation, or else they wouldn't survive. As we will point out later in the episode, we often perform these expected ritual rituals. I cannot say that word ever (laughs) with little or no thought as to why we do them or where they originated.
1: Also, many of our traditions are original to our particular culture and upbringing. And some traditions are observed only once in our lifetime, while others are repeated annually, weekly, even daily.
0: And I want to say before you go on, those once in a lifetime, those would be things like maybe the bar mitzvah for Jewish folks, the baptism Mm -hmm. a lot of times Mm -hmm. for, you know. So there are those things that we just do one one time but they are traditions i'm sorry go ahead
1: well while those some traditions are observed with less frequency they're usually understood with more depth and there are many of these practices or at least many parts of them that we don't fully understand and we may never fully understand them while those we observe more frequently we may not even know why we do them at all. <laughs> and that's
0: the interesting part of tradition. Yeah. It? It's,
1: it's just the way we've been taught, and it's the way we always do it.
0: Well, sometimes families develop their own traditions within, their, within those other cultural traditions, mm-hmm. right?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and they're unique to a single particular family. Sometimes we find it necessary to tweak or add our own twist to a tradition that makes it more meaningful to a smaller group of participants.
2: We do we would like to get into the spirit of this discussion by asking some questions about some of the traditions most of us participate in and some rituals and acts we often perform and never know why that is the key word to finding acts we perform with such attention to ritual detail fascinating is to ask why
1: why do we do that so let's have some fun with this idea by giving a little quiz Everybody loves the pop quiz, right? I always did, mm-hmm. yes.
0: Oh, All right. <laughs> I feel a cold coming. <laughs>
1: Let's play a round of a game that we're going to call, Why Do We?
0: And and, and I'm not going to really try to answer any. I don't know the answers to some of these, but some of them I do. But we're really not going to try. We're just going to ask these, and this will get you into the spirit well, of Well, and the
2: most interesting thing, which I'm sure you guys will too, a lot of these I have never really Thought about, but but we do them, we do them
0: a lot. So, we're gonna play why do we, and I guess I'll start. Why do we throw rice or bird seed at a wedding?
1: I actually know the answer to this.
0: Well, can you make it brief?
1: Yeah, the answer to this is because throwing rice was a suggestion of fertility and um, having plenty to the couple. And we started throwing bird seed because a rumor went around that rice would make the birds explode. Yeah, it would swell in their stomach. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, next question.
2: Why do we put candles on our birthday cake? I have no idea.
0: I do really do know that one.
2: Okay.
1: Do you well, want to just
0: tell your mm-hmm, yeah. a song? It was actually done originally is like an offering to the moon god mm-hmm. really yes artemis is that what it yeah. is artemis? yes i think artemis yeah. the moon god I and so no we idea. see we do a ritual like that and don't even know why and we do it. some
2: people just a little bit more of that wish that you make yeah. some people believe that the smoke from the candles carry the to, prayer to heaven that's, that's right so, yeah. absolutely right. i had I think no I, I
1: think idea I
0: included that one time in a lesson that i did probably okay man so is it is it me
1: it's me okay why do we think of eggs and bacon? As a breakfast meal. <laughs> okay, this one is cool. Do okay. you guys know this one? No, I, don't I know. had to look this up. Okay. This is exactly—I
2: just love it. <laughs> Prior to the 1920s, the majority of Americans ate more modest, often meatless breakfasts like oatmeal, a roll, toast—you know, something like that. Okay. In the 1920s, Bernays was approached by the Beechnut Packing Company, who were producers of everything from pork products to Beechnut bubble gum. And they wanted, I
0: used to chew beef Really? Meat, yeah. Uh-huh. Was, I nut, tobacco. Yeah. So they
2: wanted to increase consumer demand for bacon. This Bernays turned to his agency's internal doctor and asked whether a heavier breakfast might be more beneficial for the American public.
0: Oh, here we go. Knowing
2: which way his bread was buttered, the doctor confirmed Bernays' suspicions and um, he wrote to like... 5,000 different doctors asking them to confirm that as well. So this study, in quotations, of yeah. doctors encouraging the American public to eat a heavier breakfast, namely bacon and eggs, was published in major newspapers and magazines of the time to great su- success. Beechnut's profits rose sharply thanks well, to Bernays and his team of <laughs> medical professionals. Yeah. And this That's Edward hard, Bernays. That was, that
0: was hardly an objective study, was it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and this Edward Bernays actually was a nephew of Sigmund Freud. That's oh, so so that's the propaganda he, yeah. Yeah, he, he knew. That, yeah. Yeah.
0: Tabitha, I think you may be. Okay, a.
2: so um, why do we think of meals as limited to three major events? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or supper, depending on your tradition.
0: And I never really knew that. I never really understood. Did television bring
2: that about?
1: I don't know. I really, I haven't the slightest did idea. Like,
0: did like the beaver <laughs> the cleavers did. I mean, you know, I'm just I wondering. Mean, I don't
1: have a clue if it was. I understand. That's how like, I
0: grew up. Three meals. Mm-hmm. Breakfast. And it was breakfast, dinner, and supper here in Arkansas. But. Right.
1: I've always assumed that breakfast and dinner came from, you know, before and after work. You eat a meal before you go out to work and you yeah. eat a meal Farming, after. Farming. Yeah. You yeah might when be you agriculturally come in in the evening, you yeah. eat. And lunch, I don't know. I guess maybe from the traditions that have like siesta in the afternoon. But Could be. But,
0: but now we have what brunch, brunch and dinner Linner? Yeah, brunch and I <laughs> Okay, well, that's know. better. Are, those are
1: just DJs' extra meals. <laughs> okay, so
0: those are the meals I have. I have four meals after dinner. So anyway, <laughs> F. Trayson.
1: Why do we say Amen at the end of a prayer? I assume doesn't it say it when he does the Lord's prayer?
2: Does he say Amen at the end of that? I'm showing.
0: Um, I'm trying to go through. Well, I don't have time to go through I, that in my mind. I, I really. What can't, does Amen mean? I, I understand. Don't really if understand I, if what I understand, Amen means. means yes, we believe. Yes, okay. yes, Lord, do so it's this. Kind of a confirmation. Yes, Lord, do this. Something like that. Because I can't remember. I've noticed somebody, on a will, lot. somebody will write us and tell us. Yeah, I did, let I, us know. I, I didn't know we were going to even discuss these. We're just going to go through this <laughs> list, okay?
1: Well, why do we say God bless you when someone sneezes? I know
0: that one. Because it was believed that when you sneeze, your soul, your spirit actually escapes for a moment. And if you lived over it, God bless you. That's what I
1: always always assumed that it was stuffing your soul back in. Why do we call
0: it a honeymoon? I
1: don't know. I don't
2: know either.
0: Uh, we'll probably get some answers uh, no, on didn't. that.
2: Um, why do we consider forty hours per week a full time position, and any less as part time? Well, that's kind, is kind of, of a... that Dolly Parton song. <laughs> working working nine, nine to five. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that All one right.
1: was actually Congress. It is. That. Yeah, yeah. That's actually we <laughs> that was pretty that. easy. Tyson yeah. uh, Jay. Why do we dress up and go around expecting treats on October thirty first? And why do we call it Halloween? I actually, know why it's Halloween, but I don't yeah, know a lot. Yeah, all either.
0: Hallows Eve and all and of these. So the right. there's so many day. but these are just remember. Don't let's don't lose right. sight of here. Right. Why do we these do the, we do these that things? We don't why sometimes why we, we do don't. Okay, and this was a big one that I, as of yet, have not found the answer to. Why do we set our clocks back in the fall and forward one hour in the spring?
1: And I still believe I read a guy who had done some study into it. And his belief was that it was because people are more likely to go do shopping or see a movie or spend so you think money, it was put economic? money into you think the economy, economics? if when they get off work, they still have two or three hours of I, daylight. I'm convinced there's some
0: that. money behind there this whole thing, yeah. or we wouldn't steal. Because we can't say it's a war effort, and we can't say it's an agricultural, because we're it's for agriculture. Right. And we can't say it's so the kids don't go to school before because this actually (laughs) now the way we've kept messing with it kids are going getting on the bus before
1: yeah Mm -hmm. before
0: daylight why do we
2: feel compelled to shake hands usually right hands with a person to whom we have just been introduced i have no idea that's from back in the swordsman days because right hands most people were Uh right-handed so if they use their right hand to shake hands it was like a peace thing oh okay i've got to think
0: about this i've got to think about this One of the kings got killed in the Bible because one of the swordsmen was left-handed. And, and he and shook he, hands with his right hand, and he thought, "Well, he's not going to do anything because." And he, he was left-handed, and his sword was on his right side, and he killed the king. That
1: yes. is interesting. He kept it on the inside of his right side because he was left. He was left-handed. Left. Yeah. I just I so, don't know why that
0: just I came don't to just came to me. Okay.
1: Why do we have turkey at Thanksgiving and a decorated tree at Christmas? And I know why we have turkey at Thanksgiving. Okay. That is thanks to Butterball. They <laughs> another another, another <laughs> campaign is. from a company, yes. had a ton of turkeys that they could not get rid of. Mm-hmm. and they had originally started selling them for TV dinners, but you know, when there's only a few slices in a dinner, that's a lot of turkeys built up, right? So they decided that encouraging people to have it instead of ham for Thanksgiving dinner.
0: Oh, Interesting. wow. So do you see how econ- how people, mm-hmm. how marketing, marketing's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, Marketing drives a lot of traditions, doesn't it? And the decorated tree at Christmas, it, it traditionally said that Martin Luther mm-hmm. actually enjoyed going and cutting a fir tree or something. Yeah, He would actually, now get this, the story goes that he would put lighted candles yes. on the tree. To, <laughs> that was a, a very good, common, There's a good idea yeah. right there, isn't it? Okay, why do we say good morning or good night?
1: I've always assumed it was a form of blessing.
0: But, I mean, let's don't don't lose sight here. Um, These are just traditions, traditional things we do without even wondering why we do these things.
2: Right. The last question. Why do we give flowers as a token of romance and courtship? And we also send flowers to sick people and then send flowers to the family of those who have had a death in the family.
0: Marketing. Mm Mm-hmm
1: i guarantee sure. you i guarantee
0: you that's i have read that but if
1: anyone knows the but, story for real drop that But we just do hear it. it oh
0: do we need to send them some flowers don't we need to send them some flowers i mean even many churches have in their budget we send flowers if someone's sick we send the well, flowers and, you know, and and be i'm being really honest with you i don't want to be i don't want to just be this terrible person here but how does flowers make anything any better
2: I don't, it I don't know. It's true. Man, I just send me a box. Send me a
0: cheeseburger. Send sure. me a box of candy. I can. Well, in the you South, <laughs> you know, what that was is most interesting?
2: But that's still another
0: one. Yeah. that candy. I see has marketing. There we what go. What
2: was most interesting to me about all these questions, though, is because it did make me. I go. Ah, oh, I've been doing this, and I don't even know why.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, that's I our whole thought,
0: that's our whole thought yeah. process. Why are we doing all this? And that, and there's well, go ahead.
1: Yeah. Well, the list can just <laughs> go on and on. And most of the things we do are just considered tradition and their cultural etiquette but the reality is guys all these things and a whole lot more of what we do (laughs) has an origin and we do a lot of things a certain way and we may never even know why
0: that's right and i guess with that thought we'll close out part one we'll regroup we will return and we'll continue with segment two of god beyond the bible and where today's topic is tradition
2: fellow seekers welcome back to segment two today's topic for us to consider is tradition
0: tradition yeah. <laughs> and in
2: the first segment we sort of gave a layman's approach to define tradition and basically it comes down to it's just the way we've always done it
1: <laughs> now for this segment let's think about where tradition begins and i guess we might say that it's as old as mankind itself we tend to live our lives in patterns and often those patterns are very predictable, especially if you're me. I'm yeah. <laughs> a very predictable person. And predictable patterns may be a source of tradition.
0: It just might be. Well, to make that point, we can use our imagination and apply tradition to one of the oldest stories we know. That's Adam and Eve. They probably had routines for their day just as we do. I mean, they were human, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, they probably slept in a particular place. Now, we aren't told if they even had shelter or a bed of any kind. They, however, likely had developed a sort of routine for their day. We catch a glimpse of the routine or the tradition, if you will, when we're told that they heard the Lord approaching in the cool of the day. We may presume this was the time of day God normally made his visit.
1: Mm -hmm. I've always felt like it was a sort of scheduled.
0: Yeah, I mean, but you notice how subtle Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. tradition is?
1: But the idea of
2: tradition comes more into focus a little later in the story when we find it is time to bring an offering before the Lord. Now the inquiring mind (laughs) would not just plunge into the dialogue of the story and wonder what it was that made Cain's offering unacceptable when we ought to think, whoa, wait a minute, it was time to make an offering to the Lord? Where did this religious tradition come into play and how did it get its origin? A question we can't answer with the information we have, but it seems to be sufficient to make our point that obviously they were practicing some type of worship, and this worship involved a tradition of some kind of an offering of thanks to the Lord.
1: And don't get too bound up in the question. Just think, just think what it speaks to us concerning the nature of man. We tend to gravitate towards a routine or a tradition. We do. And these things often become ingrained in us as cultural traditions. And one might point out here that cultural traditions are powerful, and they're often difficult, if not impossible, to challenge or change.
0: It would shock you. I'm going to just throw in here before I read my part. Mm -hmm. It would shock you how many cultural traditions we have that are marketing schemes. Yes. As we talked about in the first, a lot of the stuff we mm-hmm. do is, and we expect it to be done just this way, and oh, it has to be this way and this way. Why does it have to be? Because you, just like we research, much mm-hmm. of it is market. Now, this applies also to the Bible itself. Much of what we read and don't understand in the Bible is because we don't understand the particular traditions of the particular culture, of the particular people, of the particular age <laughs> the story <laughs> takes place in. Often the reason we don't understand is that many of those cultural traditions are lost to time. Right. But let's not stray too far from our goal here, and that's to consider that we as human beings tend to gravitate towards routines and traditions, and the practice of those traditions tend to be defined by our cultural and religious backgrounds. So let me ask you this: I'm just going to throw this in. Mm-hmm. Do you put, do you run your toothbrush under water before you put the toothpaste on, or after you put the toothpaste on?
2: Both. I do mine after.
0: I do mine after. And you know why you do yours after? Because that's the way
2: Yeah.
0: me and your mother both exactly. do ours. We put the toothpaste on the toothbrush and then run it under the water.
2: You don't do it before? No. Where did I come up with that? You I always were the rebel, though. Yeah, I love it. Yeah.
0: You're just a rebel. You don't brush your teeth right.
2: <laughs> okay. Let's take this even a step further. We often consider people who don't share in our cultural traditions or who practice traditions that are foreign to us to be weird or odd, or sometimes we consider them downright suspicious. <laughs> and if you think about it, we often gravitate toward people who are raised up practicing the same traditions that we find normal. We often find it hard to understand when they practice the same traditions, but with a different spin. For example, if you grew up getting, early, getting up early on Christmas morning to open gifts, And then you encounter someone who says they always open their gifts the night before on Christmas Eve, at first that seems a little strange. But when they go on to explain that they do that so they can celebrate as a family because the next day they have to drive three hours to have Christmas dinner with his family... And then drive another hour to celebrate with her family Christmas evening. Evening, it somehow doesn't seem as ridiculously strange. It's just practical for them.
0: And and I can remember the first time because I grew up in a tradition. Woke up as early as you could wake up mm-hmm. on Christmas morning and go down and open presents. And I remember one of my cousins said, "And I said, do you guys get up really early? Oh no, we open ours on Christmas Eve." And I thought, sacrilegious! Yeah, <laughs> you, you people are you people are so weird. You open your. Isn't that well, isn't it funny? How it is, it is. Yes.
1: And the moral of these examples may just be that if we understood why people practice certain traditions that seem odd to us, we might not find them so odd after all. That's a good life lesson all the way around. We often judge what people do as abnormal because we don't invest the time it takes to know where they're coming from.
0: And I guess with that thought we'll conclude part two of our discussion on tradition we'll be right back to you with part three
1: Welcome
2: back, Seekers, to the third and final segment of this podcast of God Beyond the Bible. Why is it the third and final segment? Because breaking our episodes into three segments is a tradition. (laughs) See how easy it is to follow a pattern that becomes a tradition? Yes,
0: and people get to expect it, right? right? (laughs) And Remember, that was one of the questions that we started out. Why do you do that in...
1: Yes. I had people ask, and nobody asks that anymore. Right? Because everybody (laughs) expects it. And subsequently, our topic for meditation and discussion today is is the powerful underlying current that propels our boat of life that we call tradition. (laughs)
0: Okay, Mm. let's spend these last few moments considering the question of just how much of the Bible and our religious, faith, spiritual life is steeped in tradition. So let's talk Bible first. Does cultural tradition play a role in the Bible?
1: A huge role.
2: I think so. I mean, we pointed out earlier that there are indications of underlying religious practice and tradition as far back as Adam and Eve, and that much of the culture and traditions of the earliest parts of the Bible are all but lost to our understanding.
1: And in considering the role of culture and tradition, which are inseparable concepts, let's first point out that the reason we as Americans have an especially difficult time understanding much of the Bible is because our culture is so very different than the early Eastern culture where the storyline for the Bible is set. And that's not to say we don't have more than our share of religious and cultural (laughs) traditions. They're just very different and quite new when you consider the mainly Jewish culture by which the Bible is influenced and written.
0: Let's use just one of hundreds, if not thousands of examples of this truth throughout the Bible. Jesus said to the scribes and the Pharisees and in his audience, "You strain at a gnat, you strain at a gnat and swallow a camel." Now while we may get the gist of Jesus statement to this group of religious leaders of his day, we can't really understand the gravity of the statement like the audience, that it was intended for Mm -hmm. did in in that
2: day. Right. According to the Jewish customs and traditions, if they accidentally swallowed a tiny gnat, they had become unclean for temple service, and they'd have to go (laughs) through a lengthy cleansing um, ceremony before they could resume their role in their capacity as temple leaders.
1: Now, let's go a little deeper into the religious tradition. Swallowing a gnat could easily happen since their water supply would have been in an open bowl, cup, bucket, ladle, right, or whatever their means of acquiring your drink of water may have been. These open containers may drown gnats a common problem.
0: <laughs> as we go a little deeper, and as we know, wine was a preferred beverage of the day. And to understand the connection here, just pour yourself a glass of wine or soft drink if you prefer and take it outside and set it down for a short spell and then return to see what kinds of alcoholic insects it's (laughs) attracted. They won't be hard to find. They'll usually be floating in a drunken state at the top of your favorite beverage.
2: So now with the understanding we have, we must also consider that the scribes and Pharisees had developed precautions to prevent the accidental ingestion of these pesky little winged varmints. I mean, they
1: carried a cloth that was used to strain every beverage they drank. (laughs) (laughs) And we must... Also consider that the cloven hoof of the camel made it unclean to eat. Mm -hmm. Uh So if one were to actually eat camel, it would likely be intentional and not an accident. I mean, you don't accidentally trip and eat swallow a a camel. camel. (laughs) (laughs) However, gnat or camel, the ingesting party would be made equally unclean and a ceremonial cleansing ritual would be required to return to the temple service. And as we learn these traditions, the impact of our Lord's statement takes on a much deeper meaning. So let's
0: just don't get lost in all of this here. Remember, we're talking about a single little statement Jesus Mm -hmm. makes here and the implications we don't even understand today that his audience clearly understood because of their traditions. Okay, a more modern transliteration of Jesus' statement would have sounded something like this. You Pharisees are so meticulous in your traditions that you carry around a cloth to strain your drinks so that you don't accidentally ingest a gnat, which doesn't have any impact on your spiritual standing with God anyway, yet you symbolically eat a whole camel because you're so caught up in your tradition that you ignore the important things like loving your neighbor and helping people in need and even having uh, compassion on those who are lonely and suffering.
2: Okay, so now with this understanding of the traditions practiced by those who Jesus was speaking to, that statement makes a lot more sense, right? Yeah, sure does. Yeah. So one may ask, why didn't Jesus <laughs> break his statement down and go into detail so that our modern generation would comprehend the gravity of his statements? Well, truthfully, the audience, the statement was intended for, they didn't need an explanation. That's right. They fully understood what Jesus was saying. Besides, we've just spent... 10 minutes and a couple hundred words in an attempt to explain a single statement. Do you realize how big the Bible would have to be to do this for every generation that would follow? Wow.
0: And you really couldn't do it because you don't know what the traditions are
1: going to be. Exactly. Yeah. So now let's consider if tradition has played such a role in the religious endeavors of past generations, does it play an equally powerful role in our religious community today? Yes. 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 And
0: again, yes. Yes. (laughs) If you don't believe it, just start asking a few questions like, why is our church building so elaborate and expensive when most of the people who attend uh, live much less lavish lives? And why is there so much emphasis on money and budget? Do you think we could do more for the community and people in need if we didn't put so much time and money into our building and church possessions?
2: One might ask, Why is it we are so convinced that we must meet on a Sunday, (laughs) the only day that some folks actually have to rest? Why such formality in our services? And the list goes on and on and on. And you might want to just ask yourself these questions in the privacy of your own mind, because to verbalize them is challenging tradition. And much like our Lord knew so well, challenging tradition is very
1: risky and can even be dangerous. And I have to read this because... I'd never really put it together so much as tradition but I was reading Romans 14 and the message and this I, almost morning. I almost
0: included that almost included that
1: this is the message translation because I love it because it's very <clears throat> modernized and she's
0: talking about the message that's a that's a translation yes. of, the, of the Bible, which is really cool it in is. its own way
1: it says welcome this is going to be Romans chapter 14 verses 1 through 9 and this is
0: Paul writing yes. to the Roman believers.
1: Welcome with open arms those who don't see things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. Even when it seems that they're strong on opinions but weak in the faith department. Remember they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. For instance, a person who's been around for a while might well be convinced that he can eat anything on the table. While another with a different background... Might assume he should only be a vegetarian and eat accordingly. Mm-hmm. But since both are guests at Christ's table, wouldn't it be terribly rude if they fell to criticizing what the other did or didn't eat? God, after all, invited them both to the table. Do you have any business crossing people off the guest list or interfering with God's welcome? If there are corrections to be made or manners to be learned, God can handle that without your Amen. help. Amen. Oh, love it. Amen. Or say one person thinks that some days should be set aside as holy and another thinks each day is pretty much like the last. There are good reasons either way, so each person is free to follow the con- the convictions of their own conscience. Mm. What's important in all is that if you keep a holy day, keep it for God's sake. If you eat meat, eat it to the glory of God and thank God for prime rib. Sure, if sure. you're a vegetarian, eat vegetables to the glory of God and thank God for broccoli. None of us are permitted to insist on our own way in these matters. In God, we are <clears throat> it is only God who we are answerable to, all the way from life to death and everything in between, not to each other. That's why Jesus lived and died and then lived again so that he could be our master across the entire range of life and death and free us from the petty tyrannies of each other. Amen. That's great.
0: That's great. I almost included that from the (laughs) New Living Translation, actually, because that was on my mind while while we was doing this. That's great. Are we ready to conclude? I think 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 so. so. Okay. This is my conclusion. As long as people are people, we will develop traditions. Yes. Traditions will often dictate and dominate our lives, whether culturally, religiously, or otherwise. The thing about traditions is that they do change and evolve and even sometimes disappear altogether. Just keep in mind, whether it's throwing rice or putting candles on a cake or assembling at an ascribed time or place in a certain fashion or order, it's okay to ask why. Why do we do it this way?
2: We hope you find this thought provoking and enlightening. And as always, God's grace, peace, and love on each of you and those close to you. From all of us here at God Beyond the Bible.
1: Did you enjoy listening to God Beyond the Bible? Do you have an idea for an episode? Connect with us today. Visit our website at GodBeyondTheBible.com, all one word, or send us an email at email at GodBeyondTheBible.com, or you can visit us on Facebook. Just type God Beyond the Bible into the search bar.